Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and of course, this is my esteemed co-host. Oh, esteemed. I like it. I am Chris Huddleston. And today we are very excited to be talking to you about... <laughs> <laughs> is that a computer voice? I guess. Not okay. great. Not That's my right. finest computer like voice. It. This like is it. my computer voice. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little Russian. I don't, I don't it's, know. It's utterly unoriginal. And, and anyway... Uh, anyway, we're very excited to be talking to you today about um, 82. Was this another summer of 82? It was the summer of 82. Another summer of 1982 movie, Tron. The computer, an extension of the human intellect. The NCOM 511, center of the most calculating intelligence on Earth. Programmed by Master Control to survive by all means. Soon, the ultimate tool will become the ultimate enemy. I still do not understand why you want to break into the system. Because, man, somewhere in one of these... Memories is the evidence. Hey, 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 it's the big master control program everybody's been talking about. Kevin Flynn, computer genius. <laughs> Taken prisoner and held captive within the digital world of the computer itself. inside an electronic arena where love and escape do not compute. Love those '82 trailers. I, you know, I just they take me back. I enjoy them. So, do you have a synopsis for us, Chris? I do. A computer hacker is abducted into the digital world and forced to participate in gladiatorial games, where his only chance—I wonder if gladiatorial is that a real word—where his only chance of escape is with the help of a heroic security program. That's kind of cryptic, but uh, it stars Jeff Bridges, Bruce Boxleitner, David Warner, 
and it was directed by Steven Lisberger, Lisberger, which I looked and didn't know anything else he's directed. He only directed like two other movies. All so, right. Well, anyway, at least Tron's a recognizable credit on his resume. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So now you, this was sort of my, this was sort of my push, and you hadn't seen it in a while. So why don't you go first? Okay. Yeah. So this. I have always felt like should have been in my childhood wheelhouse, but for some reason I was never that interested in it. And, and I, I realized watching this time, I don't know that I'd ever seen this in its entirety. I'd seen bits and pieces on TV, but it wasn't one that I saw in the theater or, or saw, um, excuse me on video or anything like that. You know, it was on TV a lot. And I, I think I saw some bits and pieces that way. So, I just never thought I liked it that much or was really all that interested in it. Watching it this time, um, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, you've got a great cast with, you know, Jeff Bridges. I think one thing I, I knew this sort of, but I think if this was a movie that you hadn't seen, you would assume that Jeff Bridges is the, that he's Tron and he's not. Um, so he is Flynn who is this computer programmer guy who gets sucked into the computer world. Um, and you have Bruce Boxleitner is actually Tron. He's really great. You have Cindy Morgan, which I don't know if I knew her from, from anything else. She is Laura. She is Bruce Boxleitner, Bruce Boxleitner's girlfriend. And then you have David Warner is this kind of evil guy who works at, he works at this corporation that's, you know, makes computer programs of some kind. And he's, I guess, trying to take over the company. And it was started by this kindly older guy who I kind of thought of as like a um, Steve Wozniak, you know, Mm. that was, you know, partner with Steve Jobs. So anyway, you know, you have a good, I don't know, 20 or 30 minutes in the beginning that's in the real world. And they even say at one point, you know, meanwhile, in the real world. Right. Um, I liked all of that uh, really a lot. Um, you know, that was nostalgic and you had that 1982 look. The Flynn owns an arcade. Yeah. And you have the, you know, they're hanging out in the arcade and that that was cool. And it's a cool place. Like it's a happening hotspot. Yeah. Where cool. everybody's going to play right. video games. You know. the cool kids are at the arcade. Exactly. Um and since this is, I guess, probably the only place to watch this is, you know, unless you have it on Blu-ray or something like that, is on Disney Plus. And it looks fantastic. I mean, the, uh, you know, <clears throat> as you would imagine from Disney with one of their own films, you know, it's been restored at some point or whatever. So it looks really, really great. Um, now, that also, I think, shows some of the flaws in the movie. So once you get into the computer world... Uh, and you were saying this was basically the first movie with computer generated images or I don't know. Yeah. And, and you have a pretty fully realized world. The only thing that, and I think all of that looks really good. I don't know. It had to have been at the time. It it had to have seemed really revolutionary to people. Um, now it looks very retro, but it looks great. And I, I, I kept thinking watching the movie, it looks unlike anything else I've seen. I, I can't really think too much of, of movies that copied this or ripped it off or anything. The look, 
The only thing that comes off really kind of hokey now is the costumes that they wear and the kind of pieces that are added on look like they're just made out of foam or cardboard or something. Right. You know, they look pretty cheap. Um, I definitely felt like you kind of just have to go with it and suspend your disbelief because at times I was like, okay, these are computer programs, but they have emotions and they die and they breathe and they drink right, they're, water. They're anthropomorphized. Yeah, they're, exactly. And so, they look like the users that wrote them. Yeah, they look like the users that wrote them. And so I felt a bit like this was the early 80s version of the 90s movies that were made about the internet that, you know, there were a lot of these like early to mid 90s movies, whether they were hacking things or even horror movies where people get sucked into the internet or whatever. And it was clear that the people who wrote those had heard of the internet before, but never used it, you know? Right. So I felt like this a bit, it's kind of like, this is what computer programs are like. I mean, it's definitely a fantastical thing, but if you just kind of go with it, it's fun. Um, You know, Jeff, I've always loved Jeff Bridges. He's great. Um, Bruce Boxleitner, you know, is uh, I I thought it was a little bit funny how they took this super good looking guy and made him look kind of nerdy. They gave him a bad haircut and glasses, you know, Uh, and uh, because I remember him. I mean, dating myself very much, but from Scarecrow and Mrs. King, you know, this old uh, TV show where he was like a spy or something. I love that. show. Yeah, yeah. And he was this super handsome guy, you know, but uh, um, I don't know. I mean, I I. I found myself really enjoying it. And so I'm glad that you, you, cause I was kind of, when you, I felt a little bit going in like, uh, I don't really want to watch this movie, you know? And then, but I'm glad that you, that you suggested it cause I enjoyed it this time. So yeah. I've spent whatever 40 years or whatever thinking that I didn't like Tron and, but I enjoyed it. There's not a whole lot, you know, it's pretty simple. Uh, there was one little, did you catch Pac-Man in it? Yes. Yeah, I thought that was great. And th- another thing that I thought was funny, it's interesting to watch these movies and it wasn't really supposed to be in the future, I I don't think. You know, it was supposed to be taking place in 1982. But I think it's fun to watch these movies that are showing somewhat futuristic things that have still not really come to pass. Like for example, the villain, he talks to the um what do they call it? The master control panel or whatever. MCP. Yeah. MCP master control program. So basically it's, you know, it's an Amazon or an Apple or some kind of a company like that. And the, this computer program is now in charge and it's doing everything itself. And it's even kind of gone off the rails to where it's going to attack the Pentagon, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, and maybe Jeff Bezos has something like that. I don't know. Or Elon it's an, Musk. Or it's something. an AI. Yeah, but it's a really advanced AI that I don't know that we even have now. And then the other thing, when he communicates with it, he has this big desk that's basically just like a big touch screen. And I don't know right. if touch screen right. desk, like, you know. It looks like an iPad. Yeah, exactly. But it's like kind of the whole desk can be that. And it's like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know that we really even, I mean, there would the technology would exist you know, that you could make a big touchscreen desk, but I don't know that anybody has that. So because um, you know why it wouldn't, why you wouldn't make that today, because it is the antithesis of portable. 
true, true. Yeah. You'd have to go into your office and sit down at it in one particular orientation. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> to use it. You could do that with an iPad now. It's the size of a sheet of paper. Yeah. But it looks it cool in it, it looks cool in the movie, you know. It looks it, really cool. It looks yeah. really, really ahead of its time in the movie. Yeah. So I, I those are basically my thoughts. What did you think? I agree. You know, I liked it better this time than I remember liking it initially. I oh, okay. agree. I think I thought it looked great. They didn't restore it um, in a way that felt like it um, revised the original. It looked like no. they just really cleaned it up, mm-hmm. and they made what was what you what you could really see in you could really see the original in shots where it was like a tight close up of one of the programs. So you'd sort of see their face and their face looked almost like a negative, almost um, their face looked kind of grainy and almost out of focus compared to everything else, their headgear, their, you know, their, their costume, the -hmm. background, which was really digitally cleaned up and sharp. And I wondered if my TV, because I've never really had a smart TV before. I never had a HD TV, and we got one when we moved here. Um, and it's sort of down in my literal man cave, our basement. Um, and it tries its best to up-res everything. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if the cleanup Disney had done wasn't also then being attempted, like the, my TV was trying to make it even sharper. Um, but it was kind of a neat effect, because it made the human seem somehow less than than the digital world they were in when they were in the computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, the story, it's a it's not that it gets boring, but it, the story is fairly, um, you know, A, B, C, D, E. It just kind of moves along um, until you get to the inevitable. It's like a video game, really. I, I, I had the thought that this movie was I haven't done any homework on this, but I had the thought that this movie probably was the first of a number of things. It was probably the first, certainly the first major film that I can remember in which that concept of we're going inside the computer happened, which is now a very common trope, whether Mm -hmm. it's Wreck-It Ralph or... You know what I mean? Like the, mm-hmm. the the idea of going on the inside of the internet or in inside the what's behind the screen, inside the TV, whatever. This is the first time I I can remember that being the whole concept of a movie. Um, and also, it, it struck me as this is a first of the video game movie because Flynn wrote all these video games that the other guy stole just basically they fired him and he just took all of his property and and sold it as his own and released them as video games and they are the they are the games that the characters are put through inside the computer so there's a tank game and there's a bike race game and there's uh one where you're player versus player you're kind of kind of digital high lie where you try and knock the rings out from the other guy, right? If he misses it, it hits a ring, the ring dissolves and he falls. Um, and not only when they're inside, not only is Flynn then 
forced to play the games he wrote as a player, literally inside the game. But the entire shape of the movie is you've got to break out of the place. You've got to navigate the wilderness where, you know, the bad robots come after you and the tanks come after you. Um, And then you have to get to the end game where you face down the master control program and you have your data disc that is the thing you throw, right? And you've got a, it has defenses and you basically have to chip away at it until you blast the the big boss at the end and then you win. And I, you know, many, many games are now literally based on video games, but the, but games, but movies have had the sort of shape of video games for a long time, I think since Tron. Right. Mm-hmm. A certain genre of movie is like, OK, you got to get through level one. There's a mini boss. Got to get through level two. And those aren't necessarily video game movies. Those are sometimes they're revenge movies. Like there's a Mel Gibson one I'm thinking of where he basically they do some to his son or piss him off somehow. And or John Wick, you know, you fight your way up, up bosses until you get to the big boss. And yeah. then you beat the big boss and it's supposed to get more and more spectacular. And and that that kind of structure of of cinema is very very common nowadays but i can't remember it um before tron i can't remember a pre-tron example like in the 70s i can't think of one where it's you're kind of leveling up like that maybe i'm i don't know maybe i'm just talking out the no i i mean i'm while you were talking i was trying to think of an example of an i can't I can't think of one either, to be honest. But, um, but, but I did, and I also love the idea that so Flynn is unique in the computer world because he is running around like he's a program, but he's actually the digitalization of a user, and they they treat it sort of like a religion inside the computer that, you know, you're not allowed to believe in users. It's a myth. Yeah. They mentioned that a couple of times. And I thought that was, I thought but that was a nice. People are like, touch. no, my user, he wrote me like they have an awareness of the humans that created them as though these things are gods, they're creators. And of course, Flynn is a user. So there is at least one place where he is able to do something godlike inside the computer that a program would never be able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all kind of like the prophecy, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, and I just thought that was a really cool moment as well, uh, for an age, you know, for an audience like you and I at that age that were like, you can, what, what's cool about computers is yes, playing the games, but you actually, you know, people program these games. That's that you have the power to go in and, and, and create worlds, you know? I never yeah. ended up doing much of it because you actually had to learn programming languages. But my son now, there's uh, lots of programming uh, applications that make it more visual, you know? So mm-hmm. you you can sort of, there are little blocks of code like Legos that you can assemble to make games and you can design your own sprite and everything. But then how the sprite behaves, the actual... Um, nuts and bolts of the coding of how the app works can be done with these kind of blocks, you know, if then blocks and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And he is really into it, of course, and Minecraft too, where it's uh, yeah. world building. But I think there's a part of the 
part of the the imagination of our generation that is just like you could put a kid down in front of a big bag of Legos and the kid would just start building interesting things. Um, computers came along and and said, oh, well, now you can build this Donkey Kong school, right? Well, you can program stuff like that using a computer. Yeah. And my parents got me a computer and I never really learned to program, but. I did a little bit of basic back in those days. Yeah. Um, but that was pretty much it. Yeah, you know, and turtle graphics. You make the little turtle walk across the screen, but it's yeah. a far cry from Pac-Man. Oh, know? yeah, yeah. You know, and sure. I got I got easily frustrated with it because I couldn't, my skill set couldn't catch up with my, the, the speed at which my imagination, I didn't have the patience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Excuse me. Now, let me ask you something about this. Is this a kid's movie, do you think? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it was, but remember, we had this conversation before about Disney, like, Disney was floundering a little bit at this point. It's kind of hard for for people, you know, younger people who just see Disney as just this juggernaut that just makes these giant movies. They were doing these live action things. You know, we talked about this with um, the Black Hole, you know, and they, they were doing kind of sci-fi and almost some horror kind of stuff. There were and, moments in the Black <clears throat> Hole that were scary. Yeah, yeah. Which this doesn't really have that, but I thought it was no, interesting. No, but when he gets zapped, it's kind of like he, you know, it's like he he jerks up and freezes, like he's been shot in the back, and it's right. I I think we I think that's another thing that has changed very much with with movies that we grew up with a lot of things like this that we watched as kids and we kind of thought of them as kids movies, but they the characters were adults you know and um right. there is uh there's an interesting I, I just i thought it was a bit interesting in the beginning when they go to Flynn's um arcade so Flynn and Laura had dated in the past and you know had broken up and now she is with you know the guy that's Tron with Bruce Boxleitner and they go to Flynn's arcade and he has a sort of like a loft apartment above it. And they go up there and he says, does she still leave her clothes around on the floor? You know, and it's just like, that's a very adult thing right. in this kind of kids movie. You know what I mean? I just thought, and, and that was, there was a lot of movies like that, that we, and I, I you know, maybe there are <clears throat> similar examples of movies like that today, but we watched a lot of movies like that when we were eight, 10 years old, where the characters were all adults. You know, it's kind of like, I always think of Ghostbusters. As you know, I don't know that that was necessarily a kid's movie exactly, but um, but it was all these guys probably in their 30s. There are no children at all in the you know what I mean? It's I, I do. I, it, it, do you think that's something that has changed since since we were kids? Where kind of, you know, because I feel like when you think of kids movies today, you think of animated films mm -hmm. or you think of movies like Freaky Friday. Right. Where it's I mean, we had the Goonies and that kind of and that kind of thing. But I think there were just it just seemed like a whole lot of the movies that I watched at that time had adult actors in them yeah i'm trying to think of a kids movie the modern what i call you know quote unquote modern kids movie that doesn't have child characters in it yeah right uh so that's a good point i hadn't thought of that before they do like the characters talk to each other kind of like their kids 
just like she used to leave her clothes all over the floor. Like he's yeah. grumpy because they used to date. He used to be your boyfriend. Like, hey, buddy, relax. You know, yeah. she's like, oh, you two stop sniping each other. Like and they talk like adults. Like the implication is that she slept over at his right. house. But there's no deeper like kids would be kind of like, OK, so like she would go have sleepovers. And you're yeah. like, yeah, you know, so the, but the but the adults kind of talk about it in the way that kids would talk about it if they were playing adults, not really right. having a rich, deep understanding of relationships. And mm-hmm. like he's jealous, but not so jealous that he won't go over there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then I, they're you kind can of imagine buddies, him being you know? like, I'm not going over to that dude's house. Like, you know, why there's a little bit of hang out with him. There's a little bit of friction for a few seconds, and then uh, they... He's like, oh, maybe we could could break in and get to your Tron program. Oh, really? You know, and then he's on board, you know, so it's... Yeah. Another thing that I noticed, this is completely kind of off track of kind of what the movie's about, but one thing that is, is always interesting to me to watch movies from this era, from the 80s, maybe even to get into the 90s, is how... Uh, body types have changed. Yeah. So like you have Jeff Bridges, like this very good looking guy. Right. And he comes in the, you know, he comes in. So he'd been in the arcade where he's all sweaty and he goes into the, um, you know, they go into the loft and he just takes his shirt off and puts another shirt on. And I don't know if they, if it was just like, he's sweaty. So he's got to change his shirt. Or if it was like, maybe he was kind of a sex symbol. I don't know, but I always notice watching these movies and I always think of, and we'll get to him uh, here in a little bit, if we have some time, but I always think of Harrison Ford too. So Jeff Bridges, is just, just this guy who looks fit, you know, he's just kind of a slim guy. Yeah. He's not out of shape. No, but he just kind of looks like a guy who runs or plays tennis or right. whatever. But he's whereas, not shredded. Like, yeah. Whereas if this today. movie were made now, he would have taken a shirt off and it would have been like all ripped abs and everything. You know what I mean? And I think that's a, that's a, you know, that's just a small thing that I notice, I guess, with, with these movies. But I, I think it's really, you know, and, and women, it's the same thing. You know, women's, you know, what is viewed as the ultimate body type has, has definitely changed. What's um, always, what's interesting to, 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 to me about that too is, those bodies that we see in films now, uh, they're undeniably attractive, right? It's sexy. That's work. I mean, that is committed work. Oh, yeah. That is, you are you are carefully mindful about what you eat, how much you eat, when you eat. And that is, that is regular working out with that body as a goal. It's not mm-hmm. just like, I'm an avid jogger. No, you can't get that body without gym work. Yeah. You know? And maybe you're doing isometric. I mean, nobody jumped down my throat, right? I'm not a physical trainer. Uh, so I don't, you know, but I'm talking about it's committed work. If you want pecs like that, that that doesn't just happen. You know, mm-hmm. you, you don't get that from jogging or having a, a decent diet. Uh, you yeah. don't get abs like that without a concerted effort. And I understand it's the standard now. Um. But it is, I saw an interview with Schwarzenegger clicking around the other night, and he was talking about that, that pumping iron, you know, really was the beginning of a shift in what we thought of as 
fitness and um, male physical beauty, right? Because Mm -hmm. up to that point, he said it wasn't a popular thing. It was considered freakish and grotesque, you know, to, to make your muscles bulge that and your veins bulge like that. Most people found it off-putting, like you were, you know, trying to hulk yourself out and turn yourself into something, you know, freakishly abnormal. Right. Whereas now you watch the Avengers, and I say the Avengers again, of course, these are supposed to be superheroes. You would expect them to be kind of freakishly fit, but anything else... um, I don't know. Pick a person, anybody, any just, any stars uh, expected to have almost no body fat. And yeah, like and it could just be in a comedy muscular. or whatever. You sure. know, a guy takes his shirt off in a comedy. That's, and that's what sexy is now. That's what's it, like, oh, he stays in shape. And like, it, well, he is in shape, but it's it's a major part of his life. Right. That doesn't just happen. It's like you watch. Uh, uh, it's interesting to watch Friends. Um because the guys were all, you know, the women were beautiful and, you know, they were in shape and everything. But again, not like like now. And the guys were just, again, just these kind of regular looking guys. Whereas if they, and they you know, they'll probably remake Friends at some point. And if they do, everybody will look like models. You know, right. they might have one schlubby, but you know, sitcoms, character. Yeah. Sitcoms are a little different than movies, right? Sitcoms True, yeah. have always been... The Flintstones were, or the Honeymooners, really, where, you you know, the, the wife is pretty and the husband's fat. The guy's right. a slob. Yeah. 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 But yeah, you're right, you know, with, with uh, Schwarzenegger. So you basically had Schwarzenegger and Stallone, who kind of started that whole thing of the, you know, the una, unobtainable body type. Whereas you look at Jeff Bridges, Bridges and you're just like, you know, again, he's fit. But it's just sort of like, yeah, that, it wouldn't be that hard to be in that kind of shape. You know, you just eat a little bit less and, you know, run some or whatever. You know what I mean? It's it's uh, I, I just think that that always strikes me watching these older movies, just like how how much it has changed in 30, 40 years. Sure. Or look back at the golden age of cinema, black and white, you know? Yeah. People didn't get, you know, after the censors came in, you didn't, you know, people didn't. uh you didn't see a lot of skin there for a while, but you'd see people, it'd be racy to have uh, one of the men stripped down to his undershirt or something. So you could see his mm-hmm. arms and it was just a different world. It yeah. Was just like for sure. Um, another one thing that we haven't talked about is the music. Yes. Um, now the music is very familiar. Now, even though I was not that into the movie, I loved the Tron video game. Yeah. Uh, the arc I remember playing the arcade game a lot and then it was there was probably a, a home Atari version right probably I didn't have it if there was I remember I, the one in the in the 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 game they put out looked like the Tron game in well they were playing a video game in Flynn's arcade Flynn was playing it and it mm-hmm. had this very distinctive joystick right and that the tr- when when they released Tron in our world, uh, it had that same joystick. And I thought, okay, so this was post Star Wars. They were paying attention to merchandising, and they thought, you know what, Star Wars doesn't have is a video game. So we need to we need to make a video game movie that we can do all the action figures and everything else. But 
We want kids to be pumping quarters into this. This is a movie about video games. We got to put out the video game of the movie. And I was really into it. It was a fun video. It was hard. It was was hard. But and it seemed very the game seemed very revolutionary. It seemed like a step, a step or two beyond Pac-Man and Donkey Kong and those those. I liked that it had all the different things like in Tron. Mm -hmm. You move through the different game cycles. You you have a you have a light cycle board. You have a tank board. You have um, you have to face down the MCP and you kind of shoot the little things. And I. There might have been another one. I am I forgetting? Uh, I honestly don't. I I really only remember the the light cycle part because I was bad at it. So I probably there's didn't at get least too three far. or four uh, mm-hmm. different you know mini games within the game, and you cycle through them. So you have to actually be to progress. You have to um, you have to be good at all the different modes. Yeah, and they were different. You know, the tank one was very different than the light cycle one. Um, but the yeah. music in the in the movie is kind of a combination of there's actually, you know, orchestral music, but there's also digital music that are kind of combined together. And and I really liked I really liked I, I felt the music really worked. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what the other thing that landed on me with this movie was how uh, visually original this was in terms of how they depicted this world inside the computer, because you said it earlier, it really is like Thomas Gibson's sort of depiction of the internet. You know, he, he was writing at this time and he imagined this sort of three dimensionalized virtual world where you kind of jack in to your console. And it's like, you're wearing uh, VR goggles. It's like you're, you imagine yourself navigating this world in 3d and it's a little bit anything goes, you know. And in 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 uh, Thomas Gibson's world too, there are these super intelligent artificial intelligences that that are kept contained. Major corporations own them, but they're walled in, right? So, and mm-hmm. and in fact, Neuromancer is about one of them trying to escape. You know, and here we have MCP, which is, you know, it's not, it's not Siri. This is, uh, this is a thing that begins appropriating other programs and nobody even knows it's going on because nobody has even conceived of it yet. This guy is, has created an AI almost accidentally. And then is near the end is flabbergasted to discover that this thing wants more and doesn't require him anymore. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And that doesn't land heavily in the movie. Like you, they don't hammer on that as, um, potentially world ending turn of events. It's just like, Oh no, MCP is a bad guy. He's trying to do bad stuff. You got to stop him, but they don't get into the existential like iRobot and whole other franchises get into, well, what if the machines became self-aware and decided they didn't need us anymore or that we were in their way. Right. And it doesn't go down that rabbit hole because Tron stops it. Yeah. But it does broach that there's a thing where the guy is having a conversation with MCP and he's like, I think I'm going to hack into the Pentagon and, and see if I can get China's launch codes. And it's like, yeah. what? why? And he's like, because this is boring. Yeah, it'll be fun. What's the bigger <laughs> fish? Yeah. 
end of line and he kind of cuts him off and the guy's sitting there looking shell-shocked, but we don't get any deeper than that into the implications of something like that. Right. Which are dark indeed in other films, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of kind of a lot of things like that, that they just, you know, they sort of throw out there, but they don't delve too deeply. Well, the matrix too. I mean, you know, if you take a concept like this, where there's an inside the computer world and people could be inside the computer world and you just push it, push it, push it, you might end up with a, we're a world where all we know is the computer world, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're just batteries for the machines that raise us and are pumping this virtual reality. We don't know that it isn't our existence. I mean, right. I'm not going to say no Tron, no Matrix, but, you know, that's a, that's a conversation that you might have. I mean, it's a thesis I'm not prepared to make, but. I would imagine this was an influential movie. It wasn't a hit. I, I thought it was more of a hit than what it was. I looked up the numbers and they list the budget at 17 million and it it brought in 33 million. Yeah. So I, I remember watching as I watched it again in 2021, I remember watching it and thinking, wow, this is really ahead of its time. Yeah. This is, this is so conceptually, it is so ahead of its time. I think like Blade Runner, it was so ahead of its time at the time. Blade Runner came out this summer, that summer too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in 1982, who could get their head around some of the concepts in Blade Runner? Like, you know what I mean? It wasn't a huge smash success at the time either. I think people didn't get it. People yeah. are like, what? They're in the computer? I don't I don't get it. You know? And now you look back on it and you think, man, I think that was the first, that was the first one to really play with these concepts. And it, you know, and the computer bikes, you know, and Akira, and there's lots of things that as we go deeper into this early 80s time period of cinema that we're seeing, you know, kind of assert themselves in, you know, motorcycles are cool and uh, c- cyberpunk, this isn't cyberpunk, but it's definitely cyber, you know, a lot of kind of cross references. The designs of the bad guys' costumes in the computer are, I thought, were really cool. Yeah, they have these sort of cowls, and you can't really see their face, and they're very top heavy. But I don't know. I just because they're kind of knights. They're kind of it's kind of armor like medieval knights, and it's kind of also like um, hockey or football padding. Right, but it has all the the fluorescent circuitry stuff on it. All the <laughs> I don't know. I just yeah, the design is good, and I and I imagine. I mean, definitely watching this. You know, I don't know how it would have been in the th- cinema, but definitely watching this at home in the eighties, you you couldn't see the cheapness of the costumes, which you can now in in HD. You know, on a big screen. Right, they were one hundred percent made of foam. Yeah. Yeah, they are 100% made of foam. And yeah, when, you know, it's like I remember a friend of mine. Well, actually, if I may drop a name, 
I went to college with Chris Miller and Phil Lord. I had an animation class with them. And these are the guys that went. I bet those guys were influenced by Drawn. I'm sure. I mean, if we were, they must have been. Think we could get them on the podcast? Do you think we could look them up? <laughs> We'd be like, hey, what I do you have Facebook friends with them, but I, I doubt he would do the podcast. <laughs> uh, if it ever, if I ever bump into him at a cocktail party, I'm like, okay. I'll, I'll see if I could get him on. Here. <laughs> Super nice guys, both of them. Um, That's good to know. You know, right out of college, um, they got a job. They got jobs. Um, uh, at Disney and I don't Disney that must have been I don't remember exactly when the Disney relationship with um Pixar Lucasfilm happened Lucas. but um Chris when I moved to San Francisco he said do you want to um do you want to go see Skywalker Ranch and I was like no, I was. Of course, I want to go see Skywalker Ranch. So he took me out to Skywalker Ranch, and um, we got to see all kind. They have, you know, the Indiana Jones. I don't think I knew about. It. I don't think you ever told me this story before. Oh, it was. I don't think like, I knew about this. Okay. I was in Pig Heaven, you know. And he, oh my God, he's actually he's a couple years younger than we were. I graduated. Um, I graduated and moved right out to San Francisco in 95 and then he was a sophomore. So two years later and he graduated and he got a job almost immediately and moved out to California. And that was the point at which he got to take me out there. Wow. And I feel like I, I also went, oh, I also went to visit him at, um, Oh man, I wish my memory was better. He worked on one of the uh, studio lots also. And it was either at Skywalker Ranch or it was on the studio lot, or maybe I'm conflating two memories. But he showed me a bunch of props. He was a huge Star Wars fanatic. Mm -hmm. um, well, he got to, they started directing Solo before they got kicked off it. That's right? right. And I really would have loved to have seen their version of Solo because I'm a big fan of their movies. And, you know, you've seen Into the Spider Verse and stuff. And it's. Mm -hmm. It's it's crazy and out of the box and creative and, and the Lego movie and it, they just do great stuff. And I thought their love of uh, Star Wars is, you know, bone deep. And I thought, oh, if anybody's going to make a just a terrific Star Wars franchise picture, it's these two. And then when they when that whole thing went down, I was just I was so disappointed. I was like, oh, man, I wanted to see these guys movie. Anyway, where I'm going with it is. Um, he showed me a bunch of the original Star Wars props and he showed wow. me um, Han Solo's blaster. Oh my God. And, and it isn't was, it like made out of wood or something yeah, like that? It's, it's garbage. <laughs> yeah. It's garbage. <laughs> it's like, it's literally like if you went, if I gave you an hour and I said, go into my, um, you know, my father-in-law's garage and he's got some woodworking stuff in there and some paint, I don't know, find some scraps and, you know, there's like an old TV, I don't know, busted open. And it, it really is like a wood block and it's a couple of wood blocks stuck together with some like, you know, VCR guts. Uh, and the whole thing is just painted black. And there's like a scope on the top of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And they must have had multiple blasters. They must have had, uh, you know, more than one prop. Because I think there are some close-up shots that it actually looks like it's made of metal or something like that. But 
the actual prop is garbage. <laughs> yeah, all that stuff, like the lightsabers, they just glued stuff on. To, you know, they took little pieces and glued them on. To but it looks great know. on film, yeah, on sure. screen. You're just like, that looks amazing. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that these props are just made of foam. It would have been cheap. It would have been light. They could have painted that, um, you know, iridescent paint all over it. And the whole thing was sort of shot in black light. And it all yeah. glows. Um, and whatever they did to it digitally... Uh, I agree. I, I I sat down and I turned it on. I was like, this looks great. Like yeah. this, they really cleaned this up. And I normally would sort of have opinions about that. Like, oh, we quote unquote cleaned up Star Wars and we put in a bunch of CGI aliens and we changed things. I'm like, I don't want you to change anything. It doesn't look like they changed anything here. It just looks like they really sharpened it up. Well, and all the, and, and that's another thing with watching a lot of these old movies in HD, I find myself, um, you know, like the the live action parts of this look like they could have been filmed a week ago. Yeah. You know, other other than just, you know, there's some, you know, styles are a little bit different. Right. But I feel watching these old movies now versus when you would watch them on VHS or on a, you know, a small screen or whatever, to me... I feel so much more connected to them because it doesn't feel old. You know what I mean? It it feels contemporary other than just differences with music and, and, right. and style and all that. But it's, well, and the characters, yeah, the characters in it aren't, it, there's no couture. There's no 1982 couture to this. Like the, the, the bad yeah. guy is a CEO of a company and he wears a dark suit and tie. Yeah. Uh, and Flynn is a programmer who owns an arcade. He wears jeans and t-shirts. And it's like, this could be, this could, this is what I'm wearing right now. You yeah, know what I mean? He's got a hair. He's got a pair of over the ear headphones around his neck in the shot that I'm looking at right now, which have come back right over the ear headphones. And he doesn't have like a weird hairdo or anything. No, it's like like it could be somebody's hairdo now, you know, not as long. It doesn't get all the way down to his collar, but he wears his hair just a little bit long. It looks like a totally contemporary haircut. And then the other guy, his friends, the other man, another woman, she wears a sort of business suit. It's all lightly dated. You know, he's where the, the other guy wears a pair of glasses that are kind of, um, you know, they're larger than, you know, there's a st- there are style things yeah. to it, but he's got a sort of a middle part feather haircut. But it's not like um, he is the rich uh, ski villain in Better Off Dead where yeah. the guy drives, uh, you know, a 1982 Porsche, yeah. you know, of that year and has a leather jacket with shoulder pad. You know, it's not that. So it doesn't feel... It doesn't feel as dated as some of those movies where it's like, oh, here's the cool guy and he's wearing the mod clothes, which, of course, look clownish now. They're right. all just wearing stuff that sort of software developers would wear. Today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I really I'm watching it in in 2021. I was like, man, this really stands up. It does. Yeah, I definitely I felt exactly the same. Um, It's a little. The, it's not pulse pounding, you know? No. I mean, the light, the light cycle thing is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and the CGI stuff is, is, is pretty cool. Um, but it's not, you know, I think we're used to seeing a movie like this and it's a CGI movie and 
there would be a lot more spectacle to it. And I think at the time, the fact that it was computer generated was the spectacle. Yeah, for sure. You know, but the design of it is really great. And the things oh, yeah. they do with negative space and light and dark is really cool. And uh, I just, I love, love, loved that. Me too. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. I was really, I was excited to see it again because I don't know. It's been on my mind and I, I was really delightfully surprised. I was like, man, that that's better than I remember it being. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, you know, I was somebody that I always just thought like, ah, eh, Tron, I've never liked that, you know, and, and I, I, I felt the same. I really enjoyed it. You know, it's simple, but that's fine. One thing that I always think is interesting also watching movies from this era is a lot of times they just end and that's how this was, you know, they, they get out and then it's basically at the end, Flynn is now he runs the company. He I mean, gets that, his files back. Yeah. He gets his files back and it's just, and there's a, there's a typical corny computer screen. That's like files restored or something like yeah. that. You know, it's like Flynn gets his files back and spells it all out, you know? Yeah. So, but this, the, the ending shot is just the other two are up on top of the building and he flies in, lands in the helicopter and runs out and they hug and then they just roll credits. You know, exactly. it's we like did it. Yeah, yeah, we did over, it. Game over. Yeah. And there's no kind of just in a movie now, there would have been some kind of protracted. There's an act know, three. Ending. Yeah. There <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. Act three. Yeah. It's a it's a really long act one and an even longer act to the end. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what do we think uh, recommendation wise? Well, I mean, I, I've I've probably made myself pretty clear. I, I um, if you've seen Tron, uh, and you just weren't into it, I, it's hard for me to say that you. I'm like, I'm not going to sell you on seeing it now. Um, but if if it was something that you remember seeing, I think it's interesting to rewatch. Um. Now, it, it, almost, what is it, 82, 92, 02, 30 years later, 31 years later, I think it was a really interesting study in what, what came after it in cinema and what it inspired. And looking at it through that lens uh, was a really interesting watch for me, saying like, oh, I bet that's the first time we saw that on screen, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, it's not a bad movie. It's a movie. you It's PG. You can totally watch it's, it with your kids. There's it's right nothing. there on Disney Plus if you have, you know, a whole yeah. lot of people have Disney Plus. So if you're looking for something to watch that's, you know, if you There's, watched all the Marvel shows. and People die in it, but their computers, they just kind of dissolve. They de-resolute. They go, they sort of blip into pixels. You know, it's not, it's not, it's, it's kind of computer cartoon um, video game violence like that. Yeah. Um, there's no dismemberment and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I mean, what do you think? Yeah. I would, again, you know, as I, you know, we got into before I uh, didn't think I was going to like it and I liked it a lot. Um, so I would definitely recommend it to, um, you know, people who are into sci fi, but this is kind of light, but still has some really interesting concepts. And like you said, that it was definitely probably the first time, you know, quite a few things happened on screen. It, it, 
it's an interest. It's visually interesting and, and doesn't really look like anything else that I can think of. It's not like, you know, it's not, you say early CGI, but it's, I don't know exactly the word that I would use. It just seems very artistic as opposed to. Well, they didn't have the processing power. I mean, now you can have CGI, excuse me, CGI hair, right? Right. You can have some uh, CGI characters, hair, individual strands of hair blowing in the breeze and have it look remarkably realistic. I and mean, that's an enormous amount of processing power. Yeah. And so what the, the computer-generated images in this film are mostly designed. Things move, but they're all built out of straight and curved lines. So it's things are spherical or rectangular, or you know what I mean? Everything's um, very smooth, but it's aesthetically pleasing, I felt like, yeah. as opposed to... When you think of early CGI, like in the early 90s, I think of something like The Lawnmower Man, you know, where they go into the virtual world and everything, and you watch it now and you're just, and you just laugh because it looks so terrible. This isn't like that. Um, I didn't feel it's, no. it's, uh, I don't know how to describe it exactly, but it's, it just, it looks cool. It's very different than what we're used to now just because it's very simple, but it works. Yeah, I felt the solid structures in the computer world are sort of are they're just planes. They're all planar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And some of them are curved and some of them are jagged like rocks, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, But but they're planar. And then there's a lot of negative space. Like there's a lot of just black, like empty space. And then there's a lot of just uh, light, like kind of architectural light, arcs of light and beams of light. And those are sort of data and energy streams. And the rest of it is all just the filmmakers designing with those pieces. And I think they do really fresh looking stuff. Even 30 years later, I'm like, wow, that's really, they've created a really neat looking world Mm-hmm. Uh, within the limitations of what they could do with computer-generated imagery. And then they've tied it all together with people playing the role of, you know, they've, anch- they've anchored us to it by having people play the role of computer programs, and they dress the people in a combination of the planar, right, the, with these sort of foam gauntlets and helmets and stuff um, that is also painted with the iridescent light. Yeah. So the the characters comprise all three: the planar, the light, and the human. And I think it's extremely effective. You know, and they get to have some fun. They play with scale. The bad guy before he gets to MCP turns into a giant, right? MCP like mm-hmm. gives him a lot of extra power, and he grows in scale. So there's a fight with a giant, and I don't know. I just I was really delighted with how well all of it kind of came together. I feel like they really understood the limitations of what they had to work with. And they worked well with that as opposed to what I was talking about, where you got into the early nineties and it was like, Oh, we can do computer generated stuff and let's make, you know, a dinosaur and it looks terrible, you know? Right. Right. Uh, Right. um, And I had the, I had the thought watching it that, you know, they've cleaned it up digitally and made it really sharp and really crisp. And the blacks are, inky you know the blacks are nothing and the light is vibrant and the discrepancy between light and dark is razor sharp 
you know, where there is light, it is brilliant. Where there is darkness, it is absence. And I thought that's what they were going for in 1982. They just couldn't, they did, they couldn't have that resolution in 1982. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But it's cool now to be like, well, now they do. And that's what, that's what they were probably imagining. It looks great. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I def I would I would definitely recommend it. And then, you know, there's Tron 2 that they made, which is also visually stunning, but I thought it was a much less engaging film uh for a number of reasons we won't go into uh here because that's a different movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. But obviously yeah. they had better processing power and the, yeah. you know, the lights it was a great, stuff look crazy. It was a great looking movie, yeah. But I I I would pretty much agree with you on it. I, I enjoyed it, but I didn't, I didn't love it, you know? So how much time do we have left? Well, we're kind of at the end, but you wanted to, you wanted to talk about a couple of other things. Yeah. I want to talk about two things real quick. Um, so, uh, there were just two movies that I was reading about this week that are upcoming movies that I'm excited, cautiously optimistic about. One is we've talked about these movies quite a bit on the, on the show. But we have Indiana Jones 5 that they just started filming. So, and I don't care that Harrison Ford is 80 years old or whatever he is. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be, even if it's not great. Still a fan. I'm still a fan. And even Kingdom of the Crystal Skull wasn't great. But, and I, I, I figure this will be better than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I think the, the holdup on Indy 5 was that. Spielberg had just kind of moved on beyond. And I think probably the best thing that could have happened was him kind of passing the torch to another director. Yeah. And and then as soon as that happened, things fell into place really quickly. Sure. So there's been a few. Is Spielberg involved? Is he executive producer? Yeah, he's a producer. I actually read a tweet from, um, so somebody was like trash talking the movie saying like, oh, this is going to suck because, um, you know, Spielberg sucks now and Lucas sucks now and Kathleen Kennedy sucks. And the script was written by um, the same guy that wrote the solo script, which I really enjoyed solo. I mean, a lot of people crap on it, but I, I even, yeah, you I know, too. even with, you know, all the stuff that happened, I, I enjoy. Solo. I would have liked to have seen the original iteration of it. And and one thing that I want to say about that, since you brought that up, you know, and who knows what, ex- you know, you just got the media stories. But to me. You know, they fired them with like two weeks left in the shooting. And uh, so Kathleen Kennedy, who was the producer, her and some of the other people involved said, well, you know, we didn't like their directorial style that they would ad lib and they would have, you know, people they would like shoot. Kind of my understanding was they would shoot a few that were the script and then they encouraged the directors to go or the, the actors to go off script and ad lib. And Which is why you cast Donald Glover, and that's why you cast yeah, that cast. And it's like to me, how does that happen? Well, it's not like you, they have a track record of excellently funny, awesome movies. Yeah, yeah, and they and they complained about that that it was like, oh, they were going to make it too funny. So how I don't understand because <laughs> that's how that, not been selling tickets for them in the past. And I don't <laughs> what? Under, and if that's not what you want. How Why did do you, you hire f- Chris Miller? Yeah. Do you not have a conversation at, at when you, you know, are getting ready to make your two or $300 million movie and just be like, so what's your directorial style? 
you know, are you not going to ask that question? And or, or, or are you going to say, you know what? You've seen their other movies. These yeah. aren't a bunch of rookie nobody. I mean, yeah. look at. Or, you know what? One of the things I love about the Lego movie, which is a cartoon movie about Lego people, okay? It's, it is hilarious and ad-libby and laugh out loud funny. It's also, you genuinely feel it. Mm-hmm. Like the moments when you're afraid for the characters, you don't want them to get hurt. And the moments when they're, you know, opening up to each other and, you know, the kind of tear runs down the digital cheek, you're right there with it. Like that, I, that is so hard to consist to do at all ever, period. But mm-hmm. to do consistently, and these guys have a string of these movies. You know, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, great. Yeah. Both Lego movies, great, although the first one's better. You know, um, Spider-Verse is, oh, is fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's one and, of the and, best superhero movies in recent yeah. years, you know. So but, I'm like, just just trust. Like you made a good choice hiring these guys. Trust your choice. At least let them get a final cut out. And if if they got two weeks left, you know, you you either bring those guys in and do what they do, or you say, we're Lucasfilm, we control Star Wars, and you're not going to change a word of this script, you know, and and we talk to them and they say, right? Yeah, Lawrence Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah. yeah, and what it sounded to me like he was just precious about his property. I think so, yeah. And he was yeah. like, you know, I'm still involved with this. This is still my character. It's still my property. I'm a genius. Mm-hmm. Don't change anything, right? You, ste- I, I'm too old for this. You step in and you do, do it, but you do it exactly the way that I would do it or get the F yeah. out. And that's what it felt like to me. I just don't understand how you don't have those conversations before you ever even start on the movie. You know, and just right. be like, hey, this is the script. You're not going to change it or right. we'll hire because you can get plenty of you can get somebody to just be like, OK, yeah, I'll just I'm, I'll just do whatever you want me to do. You know, I, I don't know that, that I, Ron Howard sucks. I mean, Ron no. Howard is a and very, I enjoyed very the, talented director. I enjoyed the final film, yeah. you know, and it just felt that was just so I, I just could not understand how this gigantic studio with your, you know, it's not like you're making a an independent movie for five million dollars or whatever. Right. How, how this gigantic film, all of that isn't figured out before right. they ever roll camera. You know, right? I think it was a. I th- people really hated on it. I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was bright and funny and felt like Star Wars, and it it clipped right along. And it, it was it had a lot to do because it was trying to tie the worlds of this animated series that they're, you know, they're really expanding the universe with clone Mm -hmm. wars and, and rebels and all of this digital stuff that they did, which I have watched and I enjoy, but they're trying to tie that timeline together with the, with the films and make it all of a big piece. So it actually had a lot of work to do in that regard. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think if you'd have let Chris and Phil make their movie, it would have soared, you know? Mm-hmm. And this one didn't soar. The funny parts were, they were, you know, I chuckled. And I like that that actor, I can't remember his name, who played young Han Solo. Yeah, yeah. Um, they give him a hard time too, but I'm like, look, he's, he's not Harrison Ford, man. You can't just He was get... fine, you know. And he's great in other stuff. Mm-hmm. I just think those are huge shoes to fill. yeah. I mean, what you want him to do a Harrison Ford impersonation? I guess people wanted him to like do that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know. 
So then the other movie that I wanted to talk about that I'm, I cannot believe that I'm interested in, but it's because of the, the people who are involved in it. There is a, a remake of the Toxic Avengers, or the Toxic Avenger in the works. Have you seen anything about this? No, I haven't. You so, have to clue me in on it. I am not, we've talked about this some on the show before. I think we're both kind of in the same boat, not trauma fans. I never got into the Toxic Avenger, but they are doing a remake. And the guy who is writing and directing it is named Macon Blair. And there, I don't know if you've seen either of these movies or not, but he starred in one called Blue Ruin. Have you ever seen that? No. Okay. We may have to do that one on the show. Um, and he wrote and directed a movie that I believe was made for uh, Netflix. And it is called um, I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore. Have you seen that? Nope. It has Elijah Wood in it. And it kind of the best. And this is this is a movie I think you would really enjoy as well. Uh, it's it's kind it's kind of like a bumbling um bumbling criminals movie it reminds me a little bit of something that the coen brothers would have done maybe early in their career um it's kind of dark and violent but it's also funny anyway it's a really really great movie so that guy is direct is writing and directing the toxic avenger remake which elijah wood is going to be in um i don't actually know who is playing the the toxic avenger himself um but the villain is kevin bacon uh it also stars peter dinklage <laughs> okay and so it's i don't know if it's going to be serious or it's going to be funny but based on the, the other movies that this guy has worked on I think it's going to be good because I don't think they said originally Kevin Smith was it was attached to it and he was going to do it as just a bad because he basically just makes bad movies. But he was going to do it as the bad schlocky kind of trauma thing. And my understanding is this guy is is not doing that. Um, so it's I'm really curious to see how this is going to is going to turn out. Oh, and it's it's legendary entertainment is the production company, which I think maybe has produced. Um. Yeah, they're the production on Dune and Interstellar and The Dark Knight and Inception. <laughs> so they are producing. It seems like a practical joke or something, but they are they are producing a remake of the Toxic Avenger. Wow! So Blue Ruin has a ninety six on Rotten Blue, Tomatoes. Blue Ruin is a pretty damn good movie. That I, now it's very very dark and serious, but. Um, either of those movies, if you would like to cover those sometime, I think you would be either Blue Ruin or uh, I Don't Feel at Home in This World or any, anymore, I I think are both movies that you would enjoy. Have you ever... So I was just... I, I, I am intrigued and very interested. Um, have you ever heard of the movie Slow West? Slow West, I have not. It comes up like if, you, if you're interested in Blue Ruin, you might like... And it's Fassbender. Oh, and it's got a 92. It's a 2015 mystery and thriller slash Western. Hmm. We might have to leave the 80s for a little while. Well, let's yeah, do yeah. Blue Ruin for next time, man. I want to. OK, sure. I watch that movie. Yeah, I might watch that tonight.
Okay. Yeah. I don't know what it's, what it's streaming on right now, but I would, yeah, it's, it's a very mm. interesting, it's just a small movie, uh, but very well done. Uh, very, it's very dark, but yeah, Blue Rune. And it's, it's sort of, you know, I would think of it as a genre. It's it's a revenge movie is what it is. Yeah. It so. looks like, um, you know, there's Tubi and Pluto TV. You could watch it for free, but you can rent it on Prime. Okay. And if you just do watch whatever online, it'll give you, there's a site, Google or something, will bring up all the different places, all the different online services that you can. That's fine. I mean, I'll rent it. I don't care. Sure. It looks, yeah. It looks really good. Yeah. Let's do six. That's. <laughs> it's a yeah. good movie and and it's it's definitely underseen and and you know uh, people that I've recommended it to you know I've I've kind of know their taste like this is one of these movies that I my parents wouldn't like but um but uh people I've recommended it to have have really liked it. So yeah, let's do that for next week. That would be it's cool. It's like a it's a vigilante revenge movie. It, yeah, yeah. You know, you know it's kind of the be- the less you know Right, going in the better. But then I am going to stop looking it up. Yeah, yeah. Don't watch any. Don't watch a trailer or anything like that. You would, but you watch this and you'll just be like, okay, this guy. Now he is not. Um, he's the star. The guy who's the star is directing this Toxic Avenger. But it's like, wow, with these people involved, they could make a really good movie out of a dumb, you cool. know, eighties thing. So yeah, I'm. I you've got me. I'm. I'm okay. Hooked. So, um, Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com, all the socials, blah, blah, blah. You can email us if you would like, you can sub- follow us, subscribe, like nice things to have for us. Yeah. And recommend and, movies as well. If you, yeah, sure. Um, something that you'd really like us to cover. We're going to dance back away from the eighties for next week. And we're going to do blue ruin, which sounds, when is it like 2015? Something like that. Yeah. Might be 23. 20- 13 but um i don't remember i was just looking at it but um i've never seen it chris has seen it uh, sort of sounds like sort of a dark uh thriller it'll be movie. i feel like there'll be a lot to talk about with it yes yes and also you know low budge yes which i'm interested in so um thanks for joining us any final words mr huddleston no i think uh watch tron watch blue ruin if you haven't seen it if you're you a Tron fan and you have Disney Plus, check it out. It looks great. It looks great. There's a cartoon too that I started after I watched it. You know, just you know how Disney and some yeah, of the others yeah. would be like, I it'll just too. pop up the next thing. And I watched a little bit, of, which ironically, I don't know if it's ironic, but stars Elijah Wood as yeah. the whatever the character is. But I yeah. watched like a half an episode, and it looked cool. Yeah, um, it was late. I wasn't, yeah. you know. I Same wasn't here. into I was, starting a whole nother thing, but I, I was, was starting to nod off to check a bit. it out. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. All right. Well, great. Thank you for joining us yet again. And we will talk to you next week.